Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light closet and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the spring of 2017. We start by speaking with event experts and producers Mike Danielson and Charles Ide about producing Catholic events. And then we reconnect with songwriter Ken Canedo, who collaborated on a great project, Aquaba. In our second half hour, Lisa Hendy of CatholicMom.com tells us all about that amazing website. And then we reconnect with singer-songwriter Joe Zambone, who has a new album, Love Is. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org radio and to comment on what you hear on this program or to ask any questions, you can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook and Twitter. We now begin with Producing Catholic Events. Now, there's nothing worse for me anyway to go to a Catholic event and to have bad audio and crappy videos and bad lighting. The content might be excellent, but I think that the content suffers if the production values are not excellent. Now, joining me are two guys who've made a career out of producing events, all kinds of events, but they do specialize in producing Catholic events, events like focus conferences. And uh, this past summer, the Mercy Center at World Youth Day in Krakow. I hear they had an excellent artistic director there for that. And I'm very happy so to welcome (laughs) Charles Ide and Mike Danielson to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, guys. What a great artistic (laughs) director you were. You're not talking about yourself, are you? No, I don't know. So that's right. So you guys you guys both sound the same. So I'm going to have to make sure that we know who's who's speaking. uh, you guys have been doing events for a long time because you're old. Um, what sorts of events do you do, Charlie? Uh, I mean, we do all kinds of events. We obviously love doing things in the faith side of events because yeah. the the mission and the purpose behind what you're doing is so much more, I guess, valuable than you know other things that you could be doing so, so you find that more satisfying you feel that there's more purpose than to doing like a car race show or yeah, something. i mean it's just you walk away feeling like you did something more than just uh put on a good show you uh walked away moving people right and you say, touched them mike would you say that that is why you do what you do i would say that um that's why we do the definitely on the faith side for sure um i yeah. mean it's it was a a, a a calling on the hearts of our of both of us that we listen to and uh, we've been really fortunate i mean the the poland project the world youth day was i think that came a lot sooner than than i had thought (laughs) that we would be doing oh really like in terms of yeah at least going internationally and and doing um an event that was involved with the pope and so many people yeah yeah all of a sudden you're like wait (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Pope is going to be here? <laughs> Wait a minute. Is this, I, I think is we're supposed to have 10 more years in front of us. Yeah, exactly. So you guys have been doing this for six months. That's right. Um, th- would you say that there's, and I think you kind of said this, Charlie, you kind of both have said this, but but there's a different between doing a corporate event or doing a Catholic event for you, or do you approach both events the same way? Like the faith aspect aside, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you want to the the impact to the audience you want to be amazing no matter what you're doing um right but from a faith perspective you definitely want to make sure that you're you're handling those details that don't distract away from okay you know especially when you have like adoration or when right. you have uh, a procession or a mass 
So would you say then, Mike, that, that, that there are different things that you'd have to pay attention for if it's a Catholic or, I guess, a religious event? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, even some of the simple things with the, the Catholic events is paying attention to the, the focus on, let's just say, the, entertain, the entertainer right, or the worship leader or the band, things like that. So, so yeah, and, and different uh, event organizers have a little bit um, of a different approach on each one. So Yeah, do you find that because sometimes the religious events are, well, let's say Catholic because it's a Catholic show, we're Catholic. Some of us are Catholic. <laughs> this is what I say. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll reveal. I'll make the reveal later. Um, this is the <laughs> this is an evangelistic nice. uh, effort here. An evangelistic effort here. Thank you. Um, that that this concept of it, like an artistic director is foreign. I've been artistic director for a World Youth Day. I'm involved in the next World Youth Day in Panama. I was involved with you guys in Krakow, and I've. I've, I've most Catholic events don't have an artistic director. It's like that part. You know, and and when they bring in a production company like you guys, yeah, they're thinking about technical. It's like, yeah, you, you guys make sure that we have lights and sound, but they're not really thinking about it from a creative point of view. Do you find that that's a challenge? For sure. Yeah, I think it's a big challenge. Yeah, I think um, I think that's why, you know, we we call ourselves a creative production group or a creative yeah. agency is because there's a there's a that's lacking. That's uh-huh. not being thought about on the front end, and it should be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we find in our business a lot of people they focus on the technical stuff, but they're really not thinking about the creative side. Right. And we, working with you in Poland was amazing because you. Sorry, can you say that again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I mean, it was really great because you you had an eye for things and you really knew uh, what needed to be done to bring more energy and more light to to the production. And right. it was. I mean, it made our job so much more delightful to to do it. Yeah, and I would say, and not again that I'm putting a plug in for artistic director, but I would say that you could have done it without someone in my role, but the fact that I was there meant that you could focus more on the technical stuff, but you were also doing a lot of creative stuff, but we could work together. Um, Let's say we have some listeners who are part of a Catholic group, I don't know, and or, or a par- I suppose a parish is not going to be doing a huge event, but let's say they're organizing a conference. What sorts of things, let's give them some tips, what sorts of things uh, should they be taking into consideration, Mike? Boy, I guess it's going to come down to the, the audience. You know, is this a, um, a youth-centered event? Is this a right. adult formation event? Um, you know, people are bombarded with media every all day uh-huh, every day uh-huh. right so i think it's it has to be engaging it has to be it has to sound good it needs to look good and it needs to be delivered in a in a clear yeah, fashion yeah. communicated yeah, right. yeah because people aren't going to sit and put up with it sounding like crap you right, know right it's going to it's going to immediately distract you know and people i don't i don't say i'm not going to say that the 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 purposes to entertain them but it's definitely to capture their attention and if you can't do that off the bat mm-hmm. uh good luck trying to want to you know having them come back or at least keep them in their seats through the end of it well i would i would think that to to help them focus on what you want them to focus you need to have good production because the production is going to help them yeah i mean the, I, in my opinion yeah the production should only enhance what you're trying to do. And right. I think there's a lot of people, and it's not just in the religious communities, 
in events in general, people make excuses. Well, we don't really need all that much audio or we don't need big screens or projection or an LED wall. But the truth is that in the changing times with what people are used to, you do need that stuff yeah. if you want to stand on the same stage. Yeah, and it's interesting because you would, I mean, I don't know how many lighting instruments we had and what was it, 25,000 seat stadium? Yeah, um, it's like hundreds of lights. And, and, and the smoke, we have stories about smoke, you know, the haze, the haze, the haze thank you. Um, and the, but all that stuff, nobody would have known that all that stuff was there, including the haze, because it enhanced and it created an environment, a space that I'm always amazed at how we were able, we, you guys and, and the guys from Concept, uh, which was the Polish production company. Um, yep, great with, guys, by With the whom, way. I mean, we couldn't have not have done it without them. The creative space that was intimate, but at the same time, very public. It, it was liturgical, but also uh, concert, big stadium. I mean, it was incredible how we were able to create that. And it's all because of production. Um, what would you say? And the and the artistic director. Thank you, thank you. The artistic director <laughs> for hire. Um, what uh, <laughs> what would you say uh, has been the highlight of your career, Charlie? <laughs> oh man, well, World no, Youth Day is obviously up there. I yeah. mean, I obviously you know, I mean, when I meet people and they ask us what we do, and I get to get into stories about it. I mean, I obviously talk about the fact that we did an event in an arena in Poland for the Pope. I mean, that's always yeah. an exciting one. So I would say that that's really up there. Um, it, it, there are, you know, a, a bunch of things that are close seconds, but World Youth Day was definitely the highlight, I think. Yeah, I have to echo that, um, especially with how quickly it came about. Right. I think the conversations were happening just a few months <laughs> ahead of the whole thing. And it's it's kind of like, had are, years to are plan. you sure? Is this the right? <laughs> you mean this year? <laughs> There's three years between, and they call us three months yeah, ahead. Yeah. Three months, well, so, well, you know, the Holy Spirit always comes in at the last minute. That's right. Not one second early, not one second late. So why do we need you guys coming in early? It showed us that we could do things that we didn't know we could. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I think we're going to leave it there. This is uh, maybe we've we've uh, we have some listeners out there who who were at the Mercy Center in Krakow. They have I know we had uh, someone contact us through Facebook already to say that he remembers the XLT with Matt Marr, Audrey, and uh, Bishop Barron. Yeah, that's that. I would you know just you bringing that up. Her uh, her performance down on that that other stage. I'll I'll never forget that. I walked down there during the. The little During the adoration, stage, yeah. yeah, and when she, the procession stopped in front of her, and she she began her song, yeah, yeah, and I, I I go back on YouTube frequently and I watch it, yeah, at night. I think a lot of people, and we could, you know, if people Google Mercy Center, this Canadian spelling C E N T R E Center, right. uh, Mercy Center Krakow, uh, or 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 Night of Mercy. You'll, you'll you'll find uh, this event, and there's tons of photos and just beautiful stuff. Um, I'm talking with. Uh, Mike Danielson and Charles Ide, uh, Charles, who's not Catholic. I, I, I failed to <laughs> Hey, don't to hold it against me. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good that you guys, you know, we can work together. It's a melting pot. It's, oh, a, it's a melting pot. Um, they are the partners and owners of uh, IDECOM, which is a production or creative company based in Minneapolis and also Denver. And you should use them for your event. How's that? You can contact them at IDECOM.com. I believe is the word, and it's Eid, E-I-D-E, com, dot com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Um, thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having it's us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. It's great. Live here in the Salt and Light Hour studio. 
Here now from our featured album of the week, Aquaba, is an arrangement of a song that many of you will recognize, The Cry of the Poor, featuring Valdemar Jansen, Pedro Rualcaba, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton. And The Cry of the Poor is written by John Foley, and the Spanish translation is by Ronald Krinsman. Al Señor yo bendigo por siempre. Su alabanza está siempre en mi boca. Seguría mi alma en el Señor. Él escucha del pobre el clamor. Escucha el Señor del pobre el clamor. Bendito sea Dios. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. the Lord hear and be glad. The Lord listens to their pleas, and to hearts broken God is near. Who will hear the cry of the Abatidos, salva a Dios. Él redime las vidas de sus siervos y los libra de todas sus angustias. Él escucha del pobre el clamor. Yeah. 
That was an arrangement of John Foley's The Cry of the Poor from our featured album this week, Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity. Many of you are familiar with Catholic Relief Services. Uh, One of the things that they do to foster solidarity is to take artists on mission trips. And one of these trips included seven composers with Spirit and Song, Ken Canedo, Robert Fiducia, Sarah Kroger, Valimar Jansen, Pedro Rualcava, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton. And they all went to Ghana praying and singing with people in their communities and listening to their stories. And this experience inspired an album of the songs that we've been listening to, songs about social justice and the social justice teaching of the Catholic Church. And the album, as I've been mentioning all throughout the show, is called Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity. And to tell us more, I am now joined by co-collaborator, co-producer, co-composer, Ken Canedo. Ken, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Well, thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's so wonderful to be here with you again. Again, yeah. So we spent I've spent the 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 the, the, the most of this program saying aquaba, aquaba, and people don't know what it means. I haven't told them what it means. So what does aquaba mean, and why is it called that? <laughs> aquaba is the um, the word in Ghana that basically means welcome. You are welcome. Uh huh. And there there are many many languages that are spoken. In Aquaba, but this is the language of one of the main tribes. Right. And uh, basically, when we got off the plane in Accra, the capital of, of Ghana, oh, Ghana, that's what we were greeted with. People uh, in the, at the airport would say Aquaba, when we drive around the city, we see billboards that say Aquaba. So it's that kind of magical word, word of welcome that epitomized. It our hospitality there, yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the trip. There's there's seven or eight of you, and I actually know most of you, and you go on this trip. What What's the, you were there for a week, you were visiting different towns. What's sort of, what's the, the schedule of the week? Well, it was a 10-day trip, uh-huh. and actually we were the first group of musicians, artists, that uh, Catholic Relief Services has hosted for this. Usually it's really. Like, yeah, well, this is the first time. Usually it's like a, a delegation of people from a parish or from a college. Right. From a diocesan uh, organization. But they'd never really brought musicians before, so it was new to them okay. as it was new to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually in these delegations, CRS helps uh, the visitors to understand their mission. Right. And uh, CRS is doing wonderful work in the third world and around the world. Whenever there's a disaster, CRS is there on the ground to help people with hurricane relief, earthquake relief, but they're also helping like in third world countries, the developing world, to um, improve their quality of life, to help lift people up from poverty, to help organize them uh, in ways that will help them to improve their lives, to help with such issues as AIDS, as uh, hunger, uh, as safe birthing practices, and we saw all that when we visited uh-huh. Aquaba and when we visited Ghana. It was really amazing to see the wonderful work work that Catholic Relief Services was doing. So we our were, delegation yeah. was different because we are musicians, so we were singing everywhere we went. Right. So you were going to parishes cool. or schools, communities, wherever you went, you had a little concert? Um, we visited out in the rural villages up north in a, in a district they called Tamale. It's it's spelled like Tamale, but it's it's pronounced Tamale. Right. And and these are people who are still living in the nineteenth century. 
Wow. Not the 20th century, the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And grass-covered huts uh, with the same tribal government uh, that we think about when we think 19th century. And it was really amazing to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And they are aware of the modern world, but they, would, for whatever reason, poverty or other factors, they are still living as if they are you know, always have in the 19th century. And so uh, they were pleased to receive us. They sang for us. Yeah, that I can was imagine. Part of hospitality. Yeah. They sang and danced for us with their drumming, and then we sang for them. And even though we couldn't speak their language and they couldn't speak English, we did speak the universal language of music. Hmm. And that was beautiful. Now, did you go into the trip thinking that you would be writing music or that an album would come out, or is that something that happened either throughout or, uh, or, or afterwards? It was spontaneous. Um, we were hoping we'd be inspired because part of the reason why CRS hosted us was so that we could tell their story. Mm-hmm. And the only way to tell their story was to become a part of the story, to see, to meet the people where they're at, to listen to them, uh, right. to, to dance and sing with them. And uh, we learned a lot. And yes, that inspired us to write the songs on this album, mm-hmm. Two of the songs we wrote while we were there. Oh, yeah? Uh, the, song, uh, the song Aquaba itself and the song called Church of Justice. We sang while yeah. we were there. The other songs um, were composed when we came home by the individual artists. So, right. uh, But two of them we composed as a group while we were there, yes. Oh, good, because we heard Church of Justice at the beginning of the program and we're going to end with Aquaba. Um, so... So tell me a little bit about, so that collaboration, I think is the first time that I credit songs and I have to credit like seven people who who <laughs> wrote it and then some of those also sang in it. Um, um, how does that work when you're in the middle of a mission trip and you guys are all just sharing ideas at night uh, with a guitar? How does that work? Well, um, one of the things that... Um, was characteristic of each day was that uh, we celebrated each day within the context of prayer. We began mm-hmm. each day with morning prayer, we prayed during meals, and we closed the day with prayer and reflection. And so at the end of uh, a very joyful festive day uh, with one of the tribes where we learned about uh, the CRS, uh, the work that CRS is doing with them mm-hmm. in empowerment, we sat down in a hostel, a youth hostel where we were staying. Okay. And there's a nice living room. So we pulled out our guitars. Yeah. And before the day started, I said, you guys, I want you to think about favorite scriptures as we experience okay. the people here. Think about your favorite scripture. And then we got back together that evening and we started joyfully reflecting on what we experienced. And Ben Walker pulled out his guitar. He started strumming and we were all saying, oh, yeah, yeah, keep, keep playing that. And so then Valamar would come up with an idea from Scripture. Right. And then uh, Sarah would start singing it. And then people sometimes would get stuck. And I'd say, I would say, repeat that phrase, repeat that right, phrase. Right. And so it was really a lot of give and take. It was very exciting for us to see the spirit at work in a collaboration like that because we never composed a song with so many people before. Yeah, what a great, what a great opportunity. Now, do you think that this music, well, obviously, the cry of the poor—that's a different, I guess, a different category—but um, that can be used in, in liturgy. Yes, um, the, the song "Church of Justice" um, yeah. is definitely. Uh, 
a song that can be used in liturgy. In fact, when we went to the studio, we made sure to record it in such a way right. that it would inspire people to use it at mm-hmm. liturgy. Mm-hmm. The song, the Quaba Welcome, also, I think, can be used opening, in liturgy. Yeah. In any occasion, upbeat uh, song of welcome uh, yeah. for the entrance song at Mass, um, definitely. Yeah. And many of these songs would be more for listening or for use like in uh, a youth uh, youth ministry setting, yeah. a conference and a youth group. But definitely we have liturgical songs here too. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I love it because it's I love collaboration and to have all of you coming together participating in this trip and then and then writing music together and and performing it together i think it's super um so thank you for doing this and for sharing it with me i i, I mean I, I to our listeners i didn't know about this until ken said hey we have this new album you should uh, you should listen to it so i'm glad that you shared it with us and uh i hope that uh hey maybe i'll get to go on a mission trip with crs one one year <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I just want to mention that uh, the proceeds, yes. we, the, the composers donated the royalty, our royalties for this album yes. to support the work of CRS. Yes, yes. So that was part of it, too. Absolutely, and that's that's important. So that's a, that's an incentive for people to go and, and buy the album. Um, thank you, Ken, for speaking with us today and for the work that you do. No, it's my great pleasure. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you. That was Ken Canedo. He's one of seven composers who traveled to Ghana with Catholic Relief Services and collaborated on this album, Aquaba, Songs of Peace and Solidarity. You can purchase the album through Spirit and Song at ocp.org. And as Ken said, a portion of the proceeds from the sale of the album will will support the work of Catholic Relief Services. So go and get it. Here now is the title track of Aquaba, Welcome, written by Ken Canedo, Valimar Jansen, Sarah Kroger, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton. And singing on the track are Valimar Jansen, Pedro Rualcava, Ben Walther, and Greg Walton. Aquaba. Aquaba in the country of Ghana means welcome. Ghana, land of enchantment. People of Ghana put these songs into our hearts by their acts of hospitality, love, joy, and welcome. Come, come dance with us. Come, come sing with us. Smile with us. Aquaba. This is the listening to the title track of the album Aquaba on this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio.
Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I don't think that there is a parent out there that at some point does not consider how they're going to parent their children. I remember as a young parent, I used to say that we spend so much money and time learning a trade or getting an education so that we can get a job, yet for the most important job that we'll ever do, which is parenting, most people get little to no training. But a lot of parents, like me and my wife, arm themselves with books and resources. If you're a Catholic parent, there are lots of resources out there. And I also love to say that everything is on the internet. And so are great parenting and Catholic resources. One of these is catholicmom.com. It was started by a young mom at the time, Lisa Hendy, in her kitchen, and has grown to a massive and very popular ministry. To learn more and to make an exciting announcement, I spoke to Lisa Hendy earlier this week. Lisa, welcome to our program. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be with you. I know. It's so much fun to have finally met you in person a few weeks ago. We were uh, um, together. Um, So I'm assuming that most people have maybe heard, certainly Catholic moms have probably heard of CatholicMom.com. But in case someone has never heard about that, they don't have internet or something, what is CatholicMom.com? Well, CatholicMom.com is a little spot on the web um, that I founded back in the year 2000 that's now grown to uh, a pretty large blog um, encompassing um, over 100 great writers, some uh, mostly moms, but other people too, dads, and we even have some deacons that write for us. Um, And uh, really, it's just a spot on the web to really celebrate all things faith, family, and fun from a Catholic perspective, and we do our really best to uh, to just strive every day to be the best um, mothers and um, members of our domestic church that we can be. Right, so you were, I guess, um, a young, younger mom in the year <laughs> 2000. Your Much chi- younger than I am now. <laughs> your children were small. How did it start? How did you end up, you know, registering a domain name and start, and, and I mean, this was kind of, I guess, the beginning when people were blogging, beginning of... Right. It actually started before there were even blogs. Um, yeah. In the year 2000, my son, Eric, who's my eldest um and now getting ready to be married, preparing for a different sacrament. But back then, (laughs) he was actually um, preparing for his first communion and first reconciliation. Right. And I attended one of those parent meetings where they, you know, the second grade teachers tell you, you are the primary faith formator of your child. Yeah. Even though I had always known that, kind of the reality of it kicked in that night, back then, my husband, Greg, was not Catholic. He's since come into the church, and really kind of the gravity of you know, that responsibility was weighing on me. So I went looking around online for resources for Catholic moms. And honestly, I didn't find anything. And so for some reason, instead of just going and buying a catechism, I decided to buy a domain name and to start this as a a hobby really to grow in my faith so that I could share it with my children. Okay. But let me, let me stop you there because that, to me, that is not intuitive. Like I would not I mean, if you're looking for information, because if you're, so you were you putting out a message saying, are there any moms out there I need help? Or were you actually saying, this is what I'm struggling with? And because as a blogger, you are the one that's giving information, no? You know, um, you would think so. So basically, back then, the technology was more limited than it is now, much more one way. But from the very beginning, my desire was to connect with other Catholic moms. And I came at it from the perspective 
of um, this is who I am and what I'm looking for and who else is out there. And we right away formed, I don't know if you remember, old message boards. Yes, message board like Yahoo website. or whatever. Yeah. And that community is actually still active. It was spun off from the website several years ago. But um, even back then, we found ways to be in community with each other, which was so much more enhanced around 2006 when we went to a blogging format. Um, and and that eventually took over the website and now and and you know even early on when it was before it was actually a blog we always had other contributors from the very beginning who right. who wrote from their own perspectives and that was really the secret to the site. Now were you a stay-at-home mom or were you working? When did you do all this? I was a stay-at-home mom, so really with kids in um, second grade and kindergarten, I spent a lot of time driving back and forth to yeah. Catholic school that year. So right to start off with, it was a hobby that happened, you know, in the morning for an hour or two before they woke up. I was reading those HTML for dummies books along yeah. with, you know, the uh, the catechism and writings from Pope John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, just really, you know, on fire to learn more about my faith, even though I'd been Catholic my whole life. And were you, st- did you start with that typical kind of blog format where it's sort of you, what you're dealing with today, today I woke up and I drove the kids to school and they yeah. asked me a question, you know, like that format or were you, was it more instructional? You know, what we did back then was really, and actually we kind of continued this in a way, is really to follow the liturgical calendar. So I was trying to figure out, okay, you know, we're in the season of Lent, so what does that mean for me and my children? Um, Early on, we started resources that are actually still really popular on the site, um, little coloring page activities Mm -hmm. and puzzles that could be printed out, because I was looking for a way to kind of, first of all, keep my kids quiet and mouth, yeah. um, but more importantly, you know, to pass along what was happening in the Sunday Liturgy of the Word, and also to hear it for myself, because every mom out there knows that once, you know, the Liturgy of the Word's happening and we all sit down, that's when our kids go crazy, and we rarely get to really yeah. meaningfully listen to the homilies. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Now, did you, um, I I presume that very early on you started making uh, connections and relationships, creating relationships with other moms. Tell me about that. Yes, and it's so beautiful to see how that's grown over the years. So some of our very first contributors were spread out all over the country. And, um, you know, we never did any advertising. We really never have. So people just kind of found the site by word of mouth and and came and, you know, I saw my plea to please share what you're feeling. And, and some of those have actually gone on to become best friends of mine and, mm-hmm. and have published their own books. And it's just such an amazing thing to see over the years how the site has grown. And it's always been an open invitation to people that want to come, you know, and learn to write about their faith. We have many very accomplished writers, but also writers that are writing for the very first time. And the common thing is just this desire to to know, to love, and to share the faith. Mm-hmm. Now, you, I, I know you continue to describe this as a blog. I would say it's much more than that. I mean, it's become a little, almost a brand, Catholic Mom. You even have some books that are attached to that brand. Tell us about the publishing end. Well, my um, publisher is Ave Maria Press, and they came to me in 2008 as a result of the website, their interest in the website. Mm-hmm. The publisher, Tom Grady, had heard a podcast that I'd done with one of their other authors, and he came and invited me to write my first book, and that that's blossomed into a CatholicMom.com book imprint with okay. Ave Maria Press. We're now at work. We've, we've published 10 books um, 
most not written by me, um, but written by very talented mm-hmm. um, authors that have written on a variety of subjects, and that continues to grow with a, just a desire to complement the website with, you know, these great resources that families can use um, in a variety of different ways. And, you know, they're all out speaking. We've got a really active social media ministry as well. It's just amazing to see the work of the Holy Spirit. So these are these books are published by Ave Maria Press, but they're with the Catholic Mom imprint. So how do you, as CatholicMom.com, decide what kind of books or topics or authors fit in, into that imprint? So what happens is the publisher will make the desired or make the decision to acquire a book. Um, so they decide, first of all, whether or not the book is kind of worthy of being mm-hmm. published. And then once they do, if they think it's a good fit for us, if it seems like a natural fit, something that a mother would really want to read, mm-hmm. they'll bring it to us um, for, you know, sort of the decision about whether or not we think it's a good fit for the imprint. And um, it's really been exciting to see kind of how the variety of those books has has really blossomed because it's not just for moms of young kids. Um we have books, you know, actually we have a pregnancy book and a baby mm-hmm. baby naming book. And we even have a book by a mom who's around my age that's writing really about more of the challenges of raising adult children in right. the faith. So it's really varied. No, lots of great resources. And if I can add, not just for moms, right? Well, yes, that's a little <laughs> secret. I've had more than one dad come up to me and say, hey, why does this say mom on the front of it? Because I've read it and enjoyed it. So definitely great resources for really anyone that lives in a domestic church which absolutely. is all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. It's really um, kind of for for all families. Um, big news happening uh, this month for CatholicMom.com. Can you tell us about that? I'm very happy to share um, the exciting news that's been recently announced that we will be joining um, the family of Holy Cross Family Ministries, of course, founded by um, the wonderful Father Patrick Payton and their mission to encourage families to pray together is just such a beautiful blessing, really literally to people around the globe. And their recent acquisition of the website is is an amazing gift. I never could have imagined um, a dream like that coming true. And it's it's exciting to imagine what will happen from here. Absolutely. Good things to happen. Um, and for, for people who might be worried that things are changing, what do you tell them? Well, I mean, hopefully they will change only for the better because the resources, the infrastructure, but most of all the priestly um, supervision that the website will now have will be such a great blessing for our readers. We hope to go into more languages and also to only just enhance the resources that we're offering our readers. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'll be around. Right. I just can't wait to see um, what the Holy Spirit has in store now for the website. Absolutely. So you're still there. It's still CatholicMom.com, and it's still all the great content and all the great contributors, as always. Lisa, it's been great talking to you today. It's been great meeting you, and uh, I'm also very excited about the uh, changes that are happening to CatholicMom.com. So uh, only only one way here, and it's, it's better and better. Thank you. And as a great fan of the work that you do at Salt and Light, keep it up where you're in our prayers. Thank you. Thank you. That was a conversation I had with Lisa Hendy earlier this week. You can check out CatholicMom.com at that website, CatholicMom.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Joe Zambone, with Untethered from his new album, Love Is. Where did we go wrong? Talk. 
words from our mouths When did we give up Warning Each other's hearts And when it's everything we have It's all that made us grow But when that branch grew sick Everything crumbled That should bring hope We're drifting apart Like two untethered bones And when did we lose touch Knowing Seeking each other was Joe Zambone with Untethered from his new album, Love Is. 
Last we spoke with Joe Zambone was April 2014, and he had just released his album Brothers. It was his fifth album, and now he has a new one, which we've been listening to, Love Is. But it is not an album about romantic love, although it is about that. I was surprised by what Joe had to say in a conversation that we had a few weeks ago while he's on tour. Here is that conversation. Joe Zambone, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Good to have you. Yeah, it's good to be back, too. So um, I guess we can cut to the chase. This is your sixth album. What would you say is different about this? Because let me just set it up, because Brothers, I thought, was very different already for you. So what is different about this album for you? So yeah, I think in two ways it might be said that it's a bit different. You know, one is just with the sound. I'm always trying to push my sound, and especially through the help of my brother, who is also working with me on this album. I think we tried just some new sounds, and um, and I think they, t- they turned out pretty good. Um, and the second way is this album, it got written pretty fast. Like, it got written within about six months. And so I think thematically, it's probably, I mean, the closest I've ever had to, uh, I don't know, I forget what it's called. What do you call it? Where, like, an album has a theme throughout the whole album, like, yeah, very yeah, clearly. So yeah. Um, so this album, yeah, being called Love Is, like I was basically thinking about that through the whole writing process. And so, so it's, at least for me, it sounds like it's, it's, it fits, every song kind of fits together. As like other albums, I've had it that is kind of a bit sometimes <laughs> like patchy, I guess. Yeah, no, and I think that I remember, I remember you telling me about Brothers, which was your last album, that it was almost on purpose that there was you know, there's there's this style of music and then a song that's completely a different style of music and something that feels like praise and worship and then something that's completely different. So did you totally. think did you think that this album was gonna call be called Love Is right from the beginning? So you had a title for the album or a theme that way? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing is when I finished Brothers, I already kinda was thinking, I think the next album I want to write on is on love. Huh. Um and I was already thinking love is. Um, really? But the funny thing, three years ago, I I was like, how am I ever going to write on love? I mean, there is no love in my life in that sense. Um, and so I thought it was kind of right. a long shot. But, you know, a few years later, uh, there we are sitting down and writing writing on love, you know? Well, let, let, me talk, let me talk to you about that because love is not just romantic love, clearly. So are you looking at different types of love? Yeah, so I... I didn't really set out to write on one just specific aspect, but I was actually reading a lot of like Bernard of Clairvaux, John of the Cross, yeah. uh, Teresa of Avila. Wow. And you know, these are all like great lovers. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the if you listen to the top of the album, there's a lot of influence from them, like, you know, on Oh Little While or on Desire, right. um, Sweet Aroma, Love is Not Love. And, um, you know, I, I was just kind of, yeah, writing from even their perspective, like, you know, these are mostly celibates, um, but they, yeah. they know what love is really because, um, you know, love being first, I mean, where there's love, there's, there's a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it could be, you know, a godly relationship. It could be a brother sister relationship. Right. And, uh, I think all the same kind of pieces do apply. Um, it just might sound a bit different but if you read something like the song of songs it's it's almost very romantic um yes erotic almost yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And so um, it's interesting then reading it from like from the eyes of, let's say, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, mm-hmm. um, who has spilled so much ink writing on the Song of Songs. Right. Um, huh. And so that's really where, I mean, I, I guess that's where I had started from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, life goes on too, and you have your own experiences, and you can start to add to add to the pot. So it wasn't, yeah, just a romantic. And I think that's what kind of surprised me was, um, I think I was expecting just to write an album like with maybe five or six songs on love, and then and then I'll move on to something else. Mm-hmm. But then there was like a whole other season, which for me was kind of like the healing experience of love. Yeah. Um, and it's really what kind of the mess, the main message then of the tour that I'm trying to bring is, yeah. you know, this encounter with love that really starts to gather all the pieces and the fragments of our lives back together um, to restore them and recreate them. Um, because love is interested in the whole. It's not interested in just a part of us. It's interested in the whole. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a little bit, because you mentioned, so these mystics, John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Bernard of Clairvaux, and would you say that you were forced, because you were uh, using them as inspiration, to look at, at the ideal of love? I mean, they're the ones that are calling us to this higher love. I mean, these guys were, you know, Teresa of Avila. I mean, she was, like, united with God. You know, like that's the kind of love that we're all called to as in that heavenly marriage, if you want to use that analogy, um, that that you're exploring the ideal of love, maybe? Totally. And I think that's, again, too, the reason I chose that as the title, Love Is. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, every song kind of adds a bit more to that sentence. You know, love is this or love is not this. Mm-hmm. Um and I think often too, you know, we don't. I think if you just read, like, listen to or read kind of pop culture, pop culture music, um, it's not. I w- yeah, I would say there's elements of the ideal there, but then there's also, you know, it can be very confusing because it sounds like love is something that when you read like the saints or the mystics, it's like they're not talking about the same thing. So, like, what is love then, right? Right, um, right. And so I think, yeah, reading um, a bit more from the saints and allowing it to kind of even transform me, like my understanding of it, Yeah, um, it has helped me try to think of like the greater love, what it is, the ultimate, what is the goal, um, and then start to try to move in that direction within my relationship with myself, but then also mm-hmm. all of my relationships outward. So, and you, you, you said that you're trying to bring those elements into this tour that you're doing, so it's like a little bit of a love mission. Would you say that that there's something about, because you also mentioned healing, and I think that a lot of people have been hurt because they've loved, so it's kind of maybe not intuitive that the way to heal is to continue loving, in, in that we love forces us out of ourselves? Yeah, I, um, you know, I try to, you know, take people on a journey um, at a concert, you know, as I basically play the album live from the top to the bottom. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there is that element that we've all been broken. Um, and, you know, one of the songs I really just share about, like, I think sometimes, you know, the wounds in our lives fracture us so much that we, we don't actually possess the totality of ourselves. Right. So that we can make that a gift to somebody else, you know, because love would desire to make a total gift 
of oneself to another, yeah. and you know, and desires to have and return the total gift to another. Yeah. But often we're so fractured by the wounds in our life that we can't even make a gift of ourselves, and so that's where the healing comes in. Mm-hmm. But what I've come to experience in my own life, how that healing and you know what brings all the pieces back together is an encounter with unconditional love. Because yeah. when someone loves you in that way, they they see you as a whole, um, and they desire to bring all those pieces back and even restore and recreate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of yeah the journey. What I've experienced with healing that the healing comes even though sometimes we've been wounded um, by relationships where we thought there was love there, but the thing that I always like to bring up is that, you know, in Isaiah, where he says, you know, he will not break a bruised reed. Yeah, I love that. And in one of my songs, I, yeah. I change that to say, love will never break a bruised reed. Yes. Because that's the thing that I think, you know, we kind of spend think, I was in a loving relationship, and then I became broken. Yeah. Um, but often, I think it was, a, in some ways, the absence of love that then broke bruised reed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yet when we come back into a relationship, when we make ourselves vulnerable again, um, because we could be hurt, because, you know, we're yeah. crazy animals <laughs> sometimes, yes. um, but when when there is love present, then it does restore, it does heal, um, and so one themselves even that, in that healing again. So that's kind of a yeah, it's, message, you know, you're saying, like a, a love mission, that I am trying to like also encourage people kind of, you know, not be afraid to open themselves up again and to really go down the road of, you know, love um, instead of just letting your fears decide the direction of your life, you know. Absolutely, and that's a, a great message too because, you know, we know that the, the, some people say, I think it was John Paul II, St. John Paul, that love, that fear is the opposite of love. Um, mm-hmm. Joe, uh, I, I, I'm glad that we talked because I, I, I've heard the album and I would not have thought that it was a healing album, but I, I, I'm going to now promote it that way, that, that people should be listening to this album um, and thinking about healing. That, that's a great, uh, a great uh, gift that you've given us. Um, we're going to have to leave it there, um, but thank you for taking a little bit of time from your busy tour. You're in Denver right now. Um, uh, so uh, thank you for writing the music and for sharing it with us today. You're welcome, Pedro. God bless you. You too. That was a conversation I had with Joe Zambone a couple weeks ago. You can learn more about Joe Zambone and purchase his new album, Love Is, at his website, joezambonemusic.com. That's also where you can find out where Joe's tour is taking him. I know he's going to be in Wisconsin, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Nova Scotia, PEI, New Brunswick, Quebec City, and Ottawa, and I'm sure lots more. Um, And you need to go to his concert. He's really, really good. Here now is Joe Zambone with Forward from his new album, Love Is. Better to try and fail than staring at the ocean from the shore. Always wondering what could be, but never know. It's better to give and be refused than never sharing what you treasure most. It's in giving that your heart becomes a home. Cause love is moving me Love is moving me forward 
It's better to trust and to hurt than neither knowing pain nor knowing war. We're listening to Joe Zambone with Forward from his album Love Is. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn all about Salt and Light and what we do at our website, saltandlighttv.org. And you can also find out about our program and listen to all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, why don't you reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter, Deacon Pedro. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Thank you for